I'm Isabel, she, her, hers. I'm David, he, him, his. And we're two HD who sit down to have some chats about ADHD. We can't promise we'll stay on topic or be professional. Promise that you'll end up looking at you or your loved one's beautiful neurodivergent brain in a shiny new way. This is not a therapy session. This is something shiny. I love it. Do you like uh, it? That's amazing. And can this just be the intro of you saying that and me freaking out about how amazing it is? Yes. Yeah, and you that dropping is, your voice. That could be, be our <laughs> first so intro. <laughs> so without further ado, welcome to Something Shiny. I'm David. <laughs> I'm also sitting on the floor on a pillow because I meant to get a, a desk three months ago. So slash floor so, sitting for the win. I do yeah. all my sessions on the floor. I love floor sitting or standing. Floor, I'm standing now. I like standing or, or floor sitting. I, I, I really like the stand or the swivel chair because I could spin. Mm. Oh, nothing beats a good swivel. Oh, my no. gosh. Or like that a really good back rock. and forth. Yeah. Like yeah. A little. Oh. <laughs> I think my, my least favorite thing, though, is, you know, how some swivel chairs, it's like they're kind of older or creakier. So when you do it, there's like a nice natural kind of like, that's the max. That's yes. the max, like side to side. Like you almost have your own, I don't know, parabola you can do or something where it's like, that's the limit. But then if they're really well oiled or they're like really new, it's like there is no limit and it's frictionless. And so you're like, I feel like that freaks me out because it feels like my my lower half is like spinning independent of my upper half, you know, like, like there's no brake system anyway. There's something about that. That's so freeing though. You get that comfortable, like, rup, 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 rup. like there's a, uh-huh. there's a, there's a sound that it makes as you're getting that, that swivel. And it's just so comforting, uh-huh. like being swaddled. It is like, it is. I know like the five, there's like five, have you heard of this? The five S's there's like five things you're supposed to do supposedly to like soothe a, a crying baby. And it's like, okay. it's su- shushing, um, swaddle, um, swinging, uh, something else, something else. I'll find them. The five S's for soothing babies, uh, developed by Dr. Harvey Karp. These can be like the foundation, even though they were designed originally for babies, there's also something to it for folks at any age and any developmental stage. Um, so the five S's are swaddle, well, like think of a weighted blanket or a vest or a, like a, a body sock, holding the baby on their side or stomach. So again, think of lying down in that position, um, shushing or imitating white noise or having a noise machine, swinging or rocking like in a swivel chair, let's say. Uh, and sucking, which could be for any of us, could be a pacifier, a thumb, but also like there's uh, chewables, uh, chewing gum. Anyway, back to what we were saying. I'll look them up. But anyway, as you were saying that, I just want to say like I was, my brain was going, that would work on me. That would work on me. That right? would work on me. Right. Oh wow. I actually, you know, we don't have to get into it, but we could get into it like really quickly because I also have an agenda for us. But like we could just kind of. Free, free, no, no, I'd love what, what's your agenda? Um, I did have, I was gonna ask, like, you know, I'm noticing that something I am really drawn to is like I've been noticing I've been able to get out to the pool a few times in the summer, and I'm noticing that there is something magical that seems to happen 
for me around water where I become much more like I feel it's easier for me to emotionally regulate. It's easier for me to feel like like perfect, like perfect sweet spot of stimulation. And I've been like hypothesizing. I don't know if you have any ideas for what that might be. I I have my theory is that it well, I'll I'll let you tell me what you Wait, tell me your theory because okay, you're, you're on this. Theory yeah. is that what water does is it actually provides a very consistent, deep pressure, like mm-hmm. when because of the density. So when you're in the water, you're getting a ton of sensation, right? You're getting a ton of stimulation. Um, you also experience that really cool kind of like almost weightless feeling, which is like also delightful. And it's like a set of, again, like a set of physical sensations that you sort of like are just like, I'm swimming, right? But like you're also experiencing this like whole, almost whole body thing. And also I think something with the temperature where it's like a little bit cooler, and so your body's probably having to like rev its metabolism or something, you know, I don't know. No, I love everything you're saying is just, is, is based on a lot of reality, but uh, the cold water, cold is a neurological stimulant. It just is right off the bat. So when you're saying the cold might feel good, like I can, that makes sense. It's a stimulant. Mm-hmm. When you talk about the buoyancy, the novelty of that feeling, mm-hmm. it's not comforting for everyone and know. it's comforting for you. And and I just want to validate, like, that's an environmental factor that you're you're finding is super soothing for you. Oh, and but the cold on its own is always a stimulant. So if anyone with, like, a neurodivert, like, ADHD will take a shower, let's say, and it's cold shower, that would feel good. Maybe. But I think, like, there, but there are so many other things here. Cold, actually, the cold shower would really work uh, to stimulate. There's this whole Wim Hof method around stimulation that can be, it's all about cold showers and breathing differently so that's right you've talked about it and i've tried it and it's amazing it's, it's like, incredible it's like a, it's, right? like a, it's, like a per, it's like a reset button it's just to take a really cold shot like really cold though really cold it, it, where, you, where you have to fight for your breath and then like eventually let it go and not have a breath for a moment and yeah it's, it's cold showers pretty, pretty invigorating but but going back to swimming for just a second something to think about and this is where like i'm i now want to look into swimming a little more specifically but i'd imagine is that bilateral stimulation Bilateral stimulation. This is one of those things that comes up a lot, especially in trauma work. Uh, Basically, it's any rhythmic stimulation of first one side of your body, and which stimulates one side of your brain, and then the other. Um, So it's kind of like going back and forth, back and forth, almost like a metronome. It can be connected to like using a certain tone, a tap, a light, or a movement, Um, and things we do naturally, like walking, right? You walk with your left foot, your right foot, your left foot, your right foot. Um, Also climbing, um, cross-country skiing, lots of of movement um, is bilaterally stimulating. Anyway, back to what we were saying. That's occurring when you're, when you're literally just treading water. Now, it's a question for me because I think that you have to make contact with something for bilateral stimulation to be triggered while you're walking, right? I think it's like the contact of your foot on the ground. Oh, sure. But I'm openly wondering what happens like that, uh, what happens to like neural activity when you're swimming because you're using juxtaposed body positions all the time, like arm, right arm, left arm in different places. You're, you're slapping them against the water at different paces and different times. You're, yeah. there, there could be a lot of that, that not only are you burning energy, which is super important, but you're getting a, an incredible level of neurological stimulation just by the act of not drowning. Yeah. Right? <laughs> just like, to staying afloat. A little bit of risk, yeah. too. It's like, you're it's right. Kinda... There is like, oh, okay. Okay, hold on. So let me just pause and make sure I'm taking this in. 
So it sounds like the cold definitely like could be a reason. Then on top of it, it might just be a unique environmental thing I dig, which is like that deep pressure slash buoyancy experience, which I will I will totally agree. I do really deeply adore. I don't know why this is my frame of reference, but I adore like Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, like that kind of ride oh, where you drop where you have that little bit of 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 um because they it's actually I just found this out. This is fascinating. You don't just drop. In order to get that feeling, they yank you down. So you accelerate going down. You actually move faster than the speed of gravity when you fall. That's what gives you that feeling is being pulled down. Wow. It's not just like, oh, free fall. It's like, woo. Like that feeling feels so good, oddly, even though even talking about it, I get like a mixture of like super excited and then also terrified. So it's like all of it. Um, But then also you were saying something about the... um the bilateral stimulation. And I'm going to say that back because that's a term that I use, but I often for like need to orient around. So literally that means you have these two hemispheres in your brain. You have your right hand, let's say your left hand, your right foot, your left foot. And if you like walk and you like, let's say pump your arms up and down and you're walking with like one foot and the other arm is up. So like your right foot is out, your left arm is up. Almost like if you're doing a fun dance move. <laughs> Then what you're doing is you're stimulating both hemispheres of your brain, like do 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 back and forth. That's that's like a thing that a lot of like therapy uses around like trauma, right, to process stuff. What else am I missing here? EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. Um, EMDR is a type of therapy that's used to help clients process traumatic events, um, and it involves the rhythmic bilateral stimulation, um, often in the form of uh, tones, taps, or flashing lights. And the idea, again, is to like sort of create a metronome stimulating one side of your body than the other, which stimulates one part of your brain than the other. Well, it's around it's around using your entire brain. It can be used for processing memory or or regulation. It can be used in a lot of different ways. And I and I often wonder: is bilateral stimulation just happening when you walk? Let's say you don't even move your arms, mm-hmm. but because your right foot is falling and then your left foot is falling, mm-hmm. that that entire action would make your left and right part of your brain fire evenly, right? Like you'd get that metronome effect, that bilateral stimulated effect. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think there's like a specific thing I can point at. And there's probably someone out there that's listening. I hope there is at least that, yeah. that absolutely knows this connection and understands. Yeah, like, and the they're connection. like freaking out right now. Like, ah, oh, like, please talk about this thing that I know. Yeah. yeah like, please tell us this answer. But, yeah. but I'd imagine that like adding layers of stimulation and cognitive processing would be comforting. <sighs> the, the other, the other piece of this is to own like, the, the reason I said like for you, that would be comforting for you. It's not to be like, you're the weirdo, right? It's not saying that, but. I run into so many different types of people that, that process information and feelings differently within the spectrum of ADHD. Mm-hmm. Some people really love a weighted blanket. Ah, oh, I am one of those people. Yes. Some I people really cannot love tolerate them. Right. And I got to, yeah. I got to on the honor the spectrum that there's some people that just can't tolerate that weight. It doesn't speak to them at all. No. Um, yeah. And there's, there's certain like, um, oh man, I hope I say this right, but I think it should never exceed 10% of your body weight. Like there's, there's real limitations on not having yeah, too much like weight. You don't, you don't want to cut off circulation. Yes. It's like, it's, yeah, it's like, there's a math equation. I think good 
I say good, like sellers of weighted blankets because now they're everywhere. But like we'll say like here's like the weight limit if this is your body weight kind of thing. Yeah. I totally approached it like an ADHD person because I have ADHD, but I totally approached <laughs> it going like weighted blankets are awesome. I need to get one. I should get a 40 pound weighted blanket because this one was only five pounds and 40 pounds would be more better. Like my, it was just making more weight better. And then I was about to, I was like, I quit, I was struggling. Like, why don't they make more at this weight level? And then, and then I was like, it makes me wonder if I'm looking for something I shouldn't. And then I slowed down and like started looking at it. Like, are there warnings for weighted blankets and found like, yeah, if you're too little, like it can make it hard for you to breathe and you <laughs> yeah, really like, have to make sure that yeah. you don't have too much weight. And I was just like, oh yeah, that's, that's real. And so then just like an ADHD person got the weighted blanket, mm-hmm. loved the living daylights out of it for like three nights until I made the connection that it slept way too hot. I would wake up in like a pool of sweat. Oh, and I was like, no. I was like, yeah. no, no. But within that three day period of time, I was, you know, making the bed. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's just, just muscle memory. I grabbed the blanket and went to go throw it over the, bl- oh, the bed. Oh, I know what you're talking I about. I almost like blew a- my whole arm out. I was just like, what did I just do? I'm like throwing a shot put right now. <laughs> it is, that does crack me up because it does, it is a little, it is like, you know, like those little moments of like, like instant hu- humility, right? Oh, Slash yeah. humiliation. But it's like instant humility of like, yeah, like making the, whoa, making the bed. I know exactly what you mean. I think my favorite part is, if you have a larger weighted blanket, like we happen to, and um, it will, like you said, cause too much heat. So me me and Bobby will be like, like at one point, he will knock off the blanket on top of me, and that doubles the weight. So <laughs> our blanket, in effect, does become a 40-pound weighted blanket. And I will tell you from experience, waking up under a 40-pound weighted blanket is very disorienting. You're like... <laughs> hold on. I think the roof has fallen. Oh no. It's just a cozy micro suede blanket (laughs) that is slowly like smushing my legs. Okay. I'll fix this. I can fix this. But no, it's that that feeling when you're trying to like move it and you're like, this is too heavy to move. That can't be right. This doesn't feel right. Yeah. But it's also like, I'm also wondering, like, you're probably not waking up right when it happens because it's a little bit like water, right? Yeah. Pressure in every part of you. And you're like, oh, I can sleep through this. If it wasn't the whole breathing thing, I would want to sleep underwater. I I mean that. That would be kind of amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, something I've looked at because of that deep pressure, but it gets too hot conundrum. Side note is there, there are like, they sell them for kids, but they're like, like almost like, um, uh, what's the best way to describe it? I always think of like blue man group, you know how they wore like Lycra. I don't know that they wore Lycra, but you know what I'm talking about? Like, like workout clothes where it's like, it's like a super stretchy, soft material where it's like spandex or something. Yeah. Like spandex. But it's like, uh, it's like picture like almost like a, a tube that goes around your whole bed. Like if you took your whole bed and you just like, like wrapped it in with tape, except that tape is a fabric and then the kid can like wiggle their way down. And so they get the deep pressure, but they don't get the weight. So we've got a running list going on on sensory tool ideas, including the ones we mention in the episode and more. All of this is to be found in our show notes or at somethingshinypodcast.com. Does that make sense? It's like oh, it's oh like the goodness. stretchiness of it. And you can also buy, side note, I totally, um, at, an, at an old job, I, I was able to like kind of have like a little bit of freedom with a sensory toy budget and you know me and my sensory toys oh my goodness <laughs> but one of the things you could buy were these big old sacks where you could literally like 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 zip yourself in almost like with a little hoodie 
And then you could like punch at the wall or kick with your foot and you would feel all this resistance and you would feel this like cool little like deep pressure feeling and you could like really modulate it. And oh, I mean, I kind of I kind of hope there's a day where like every space has a sensory room. I mean, every, every space has a space you could go to and just like, you know, do, des- do whatever you as do. you're describing this as you're describing this, this, this suit. Yeah, my brain just went to like they found a way to make a, like a foam pit, of like a suit. <gasps> I don't know if you remember, like you know when you fall in that giant foam pit when yeah, you're trying gymnastics yeah. and you're like you know very small and then then you're like climbing out over mountains of different giant cubes of foam and like slipping down and nothing works right and you can't even move your arms. Mm-hmm. And you're like, this could be where I die. That's how I feel I might, in those things. I, might never I always leave. feel like I think I could fall and no one would hear me scream. I don't know why they elicit such a deep profound terror but they do yeah i know what you mean how deep does this go exactly oh yeah yeah that question i don't think everyone has that question but i definitely have that question i definitely have that question i will also say that i was the kid who in ball pits like you know like this the old classic i'm talking old school like those big hard round rubber balls in the you know in the mcdonald's or the whatever the play place no no never been you know touched by any sanitation clearly well pre-pandemic um i definitely i'm very tall right so i feel like i could easily stand up and be like this is not fun for me anymore you know what i mean because i'd be like ah there's no danger here there's no risk but they have you ever been to the city museum in st louis you heard of this i've heard about this museum being amazing okay it is like seriously maybe bucket list slash top five places to go if you're into like sensory experiences like i mean all you gotta do is check out the website and you'll you'll see what i'm talking about it's 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 indescribable but any sensation you might be seeking you will probably experience it at this place like the last time we went there's like a like a like a circus you know like when trapeze artists will fall onto that like like a almost like a trampoline net and get caught Yeah, yeah they have that like suspended over like rooms and rooms and you can climb up into it and just kind of like roll around on it and like you could climb up into like a little bird cage that's like five stories in the air and just like be looking down at everybody through this bird cage i mean they have uh like an my mouth is floor slide you could go on they have like caves that are filled with surprises (laughs) that you just go through these like man-made cave systems it's just an incredible place um there's literally, like, I kid you not, there's a space. And if anyone has been there, they're not going to know what I'm talking about. You look and you're like, there's nothing there. And there's like, like, it looks like a seashell. You go into the seashell, it gets progressively smaller and smaller to the point you're like, I might be stuck if I keep going. But if you keep going and it's pitch black, like you can barely see, suddenly you come out into like this little hallway of light and you kind of crawl through this teeny tiny tunnel and then you like, Go down this big slide and then that's it. And you've just had that experience. Like it's that kind of place where like you never know what's going to happen next. It's, oh, I just get excited talking about it. But um, where was I going? I'm sorry. I'm all over the place today. We were we were talking about sensory experiences. You were talking about the museum. You were talking about the different suits you had with the budget. And the different things you got. When oh, you were getting different sensory oh, my materials. gosh. Yeah. We were talking oh, about the, the bed, ball the pit. The ball pit. Okay. So they have a ball pit and it was like for little kids. Okay. And my kid was in this ball pit and like, like this, the kid was pretty small at the time. So like, you know, like enjoying, enjoying um, themselves. And I went to go like, kind of like scoop, 
scoop the kid up to say, okay, it's time, time to go, which you know is not going to go well, but it's like the least you can do at that point. And I had a moment where I was like, I don't feel the bottom. Like, and this is a place where there might not be a bottom. You know what I mean? I'm like six foot tall and I'm like, I think there's no bottom. I think this ball pit might be like those bouncy foamy pits where it's like, there is no bottom. Like you will not find your feet putting. And then I like found a step in it and I was like, oh, okay. Phew. But just saying like. That's terrifying. I know. I, I, I sold this place up, but it also carries some risk. You have to be on the lookout and watch like. I'm sure their ball pit's fine and I just like slipped or something, but whatever. It just. Can we talk about what just happened? Because I think it was kind of amazing. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like totally authentic ADHD moment. We're talking, we get off on the tangent and like enjoy the tangent so much. We're like, why, how, how did we get here? I know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for you, did it help that I started like throwing all these different things that we had just been talking about? Was that even helpful that I was just throwing those different things at you? Because I didn't mention ball pits or balls. Ah, you know, it was helpful because I guess, I guess what it does is it, it's like breadcrumbs. Like my brain is able to retrieve enough of that. Oddly enough, that helps me a lot. Like I, I feel like I can work backwards very easily as long as someone else leaves me breadcrumbs. Like, like you just did with like, we did this and they did this and they did this. And I was like, ah, like looking for the memory is, is part of that is finding all the things that isn't. Yes. Like how to put it, the memory is attached to my random tangential way of finding it. Like the memory, if you had just said, oh, you were talking about ball pits, I would not have remembered what I was saying. But if you say you did this and then like, literally, if you describe the tangent, like path, then I know what the memory is. Does that make sense? Is this how yes. ADHD works? I swear yes. that I swear I, this happens all the time. I know we've talked about this before, but like it kind of begs repeating that setup of like, I don't know where I got the information from. I just know I, I can see the book I can or I can like hear the words. I like know for a fact I'm not making it up. And yet I have absolutely no idea. Right, like what, one of them like, was lightning bolt just struck me that I was able to give you this information. Well, and there's a little difference too. Like one of those is looking for the anchor memory, right? Like when you couldn't think of that book, and we went into like what the book was about, and then you're like polytheistic religions, monotheistic religions. Like you that's had that right, whole thing. That's right. We I just right. yes, I just edited that episode and was like, <laughs> yeah, I gotta put that in there. Anchor memory. Right, right, and and I think like this is a little bit different because it's around tracking the conversation. It's about me being present with you, and like another real truth is like. Oftentimes with two people with ADHD, it's like, how did we get here? It's like, I have no idea. What were we talking about two seconds ago? I have no idea. But you were perfectly 100% invested in everything. Like you were dying on every word. And then it's like squirrel. No, I don't like squirrels. I like, you know, hamburgers. Oh, okay. What were we talking about? I have no idea. Like both of those things can happen. But when you're trying to find that rhythm, it can be a lot easier when you're retracing your steps. Mm -hmm. Because as opposed to just trying to find the path again. Like if we shine the flashlight on this material fast enough, we'll find it. It's like, Take a second. Where were we just? Where were we? It's like the last thing I remember is getting into the car four hours ago. It's like, all right, let's work up from there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, can I ask something? And maybe this is like, stop me if this is not a good question. But I've, I kind of wonder, like I have found that it ends up, not intentionally, but a lot of really close friends or people in my life either are neurodiverse themselves, by which I mean, I mean, we're all neurodiverse, like, but I mean, like, actually have, like, let's say a diagnosable um, 
uh, diagnosis of ADHD or ASD, Mm -hmm. autism spectrum disorder, or something like that, right? Where a lot of close friends like also live somewhere on some neurodiverse spectrum. And I, I feel like the conversations sometimes with my neurotypical friends have a different quality to them where I feel like I maybe mask, like I kind of force myself to slow down. I force myself to stay on topic. I bite my tongue a lot. So I'm not just like, like, I mean, during our conversations, I feel like I talk over you 90% of the time and that's okay. But it's like, almost like it's like a weird norm for us. Oh, so this is, yeah, this is something I never, I never, it's, uh, I want to be really blunt when I go and I talk about this. I never understood what masking was until I met someone named David Blink. Oh, okay. Who's David so, Blink? So I'm in college, in grad school, mm-hmm. and I out myself as having ADHD in one of my like classes. And mm-hmm. someone else comes up to me afterwards and goes, you have ADHD. I have ADHD. There's this non-for-profit growing called Project Eye to Eye. They're looking to have ADHD people and LD people like running these art rooms. And like they don't have any programs here at Northwestern. Do you want to get one started here? And I'm like, that sounds, yes, that sounds amazing. I I have ADHD. Yes. Like it was, I want to I, go to there. I want to go to there. Yeah. I didn't know I needed or wanted it until it was presented. It's like, do you like macaroni and cheese? What's that? Uh, it's noodles with cheese sauce. This is unbelievable. Please let me give you more. Like it was like one of those moments. So David Flink calls me and we have this interview mm-hmm. and he asked me, he said, uh, so do you have a learning disability? Oh, absolutely. I have two. I have, I have simple recognition disorder, which means I can't really spell at all. And I have ADHD. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, you just said them right away. I go, yeah. I mean, they're parts of me. It's not who I am, but it's, you know, a big part of who I am. And you have to understand that to understand me. And he said, that's unbelievable. We'd like you to work with eye to eye. And he went in to talk about it. And then I'm, he brought me to this thing called the, like, um, the Organizing Institute. It's the first time I met a whole bunch of other really high achieving LD people. Mm-hmm. They flew people in from every part of the country to Brown University. They trained us how to be leaders, mm-hmm. how to actually think about our behaviors in the context of masking and authenticity. Oh, <gasps> whoa, I just got chills. Oh my I gosh, never, there's a space that does this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I never even thought about uh-huh. like my authenticity being being chipped away at when I masked my symptoms, when I slowed my speech to a manner that's a little more neurotypical. I go like, I I talk at like 1.25 or whatever. Like I'm a little bit faster than that. And it takes energy to slow down. It does. It's exhausting to slow down, actually. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. No, no, it does. And so, uh, and so the first time ever I'm in this room full of like 15 people with LD, almost all of them have ADHD. It's like mostly like the ADHD dyslexic, like, like group of people, but like there's more sprinkling diversity in there for sure. Everyone is talking and like, while they're giving lectures, this guy, his name was Grady, awesome guy, was throwing this racquetball against the wall. He's throwing the racquetball, like, and like catching it. And mm-hmm. I'll start getting annoyed, like, you're not supposed to throw. That's his school. You can't. Wait, this isn't school. Wait, can I have a, can I have a racquetball? <gasps> and then I said, can I have a racquetball? And he, like, shared this racquetball experience with me. And we were literally bouncing the ball back and forth to each other mm-hmm. while training us how to be ambassadors for LD, how to really talk about our LD without shame and how to own it. And part of what they did was they authorized me in that moment mm-hmm. to express myself, to not bottle myself up and, you know, it, to try to act neurotypical for four hours while someone's throwing information at me. There were people running around the room, like 
listening to headphones, like doing all these things that we see, we think are like antithetical to learning. Like they're not paying attention, but no one in that room dared challenge someone like you're not paying attention. <gasps> oh my gosh. I just got chills. Oh. It, it was, it was oh, unbelievable. They trained so us. Uh-huh. They sent us back to middle schools. And then we were the college students working with middle schools, kids that have the same learning abilities that we had. And we were doing our projects talking about it. And they got and so, to throw racquetballs. I mean, like their version of a racquetball. Like they got to have like the freedom to just. <gasps> we were able oh, to emulate so because cool. they, they modeled for us like what this can look like when you don't, when you don't have to mask your behavior. Oh my gosh. What if we just look at the task? Yeah. Sorry. I had never thought about that. I'd always felt guilty for doing the task differently. Like, oh, this only took me 15 minutes, like overnight. But like, I stressed out about it for 10 weeks and everyone else did it over a weekend. They spent way more time. I better not tell them it only took me 15 minutes or go think I did it wrong. Exactly. Oh, As I like put my job. hands in the air, like, like, yeah, like why, why? I, I always thought I was doing it wrong and I was killing stuff. I had no, there are other stuff that I was really bad at, like, <laughs> like very bad. Yeah. But, yeah. But there'd be times when looking back, I was exhibiting a manner of excellence mm-hmm. and I would, I would invalidate it because I achieved that goal in a very different way. Yeah. It wasn't the neurotypical way. If I would have done this right, it would have, it, it should hurt. It mm-hmm. should take me a long time. And, uh, and I should have like a candle and I should have a, a feather pen and <laughs> there should be a window and a wooden desk. You know, there's this mm-hmm. like hall, hallmark moment of what studying looked like. and then. Here I am in college, like on a on a exercise bike, listening to a book on tape for class. Gosh, I know. I mean, I can't. Oh, David, I feel like you dropped so many truth bombs. Side note, I am so I, I I'm not mad, but a little piece of me is like I will own. Like I'm a little irritated that I've known you for a while, and this is the first time you've talked about this. And I'm like, wait a minute, okay? I I'm I'm like I don't know. Why, I'm having lots of lots of feelings about the fact that there's I mean and not to like just toot this one organization's horn my hope is that they exist and that there's also like even more that I'm so unaware of but like I am blown away that that is like a resource that exists in the world that there was a room of people that that was like I'm just like I I, I'm having feelings I'm just having feelings and side note as I'm talking I have I have a my little ponytail (laughs) That one of my that's kids like the best fidget ever. Off, I was like, right, that's actually very. It's like this hard piece of plastic, but it is very, very delightful to the touch. It is like got a smooth part and a pointy part, and the whole time we're talking, I have my hands in my pocket, just the whole time fidgeting nonstop. And when you were talking about the racquetball, I was like, oh, I could like take my little my little ponytail and like show everybody, and they might be like, yes. Wonderful. I have one too. I don't know. You know, like right. It's well, just... actually, actually, that in that moment when you can raise up your fidget and you're not distracted because you have a fidget, you're no, attending I'm, because I'm you better... have a fidget. Yeah. The moment you do that, you model that for other people. You make it safer for everyone else because <sighs> I feel like because we know and because we know why we do this, it's it's almost incumbent on us to to explain this to people. Thank you so much for listening. If you ever have that thought where you think, "Hey, I'm nothing," stop. Remember, you're something. Something's shiny. That's right. Just as you are. 
If you like what you heard and you want to hear more free episodes of this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're on Instagram as Something Shiny Podcast. And if you're looking for more information, useful links, definitions, visuals, everything we can think of and more is on our website at somethingshinypodcast.com. And it's all free. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in two weeks.